Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Green Profits Podcast. My name is Megan Carpenter and today my special guest is Will Waters, who is Senior National Business Development Manager at Planet Arc Power. He's an energy efficiency expert with many years experience in the solar industry and in management and energy consulting both here in Australia and in the UK. He's also Vice President of Clean Tech Industry Sunshine Coast, the not-for-profit eco-business hub for clean tech and sustainability businesses. And I've worked with and volunteered with Will over the years through clean tech industries. Will is accredited with Neighbours, that's N-A-B-E-R-S, which stands for National Australian Built Environment Rating System. Uh, it's an Australian government initiative to measure the environmental performance of Australian buildings. Welcome, Will. Hello, Megan. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for being here. Planet Arc is a legendary behaviour change organisation and the amazing Lane Beachley, the Aussie surfing champion, is one of your advocates. Listeners may have seen her on TV talking about recycling printer cartridges. Lane's won seven world surfing titles and has been awarded an Order of Australia. She's now a keynote speaker and has her own foundation called Aim for the Stars for young girls and women to achieve their dreams. She's pretty impressive, isn't she? Yeah, pretty fantastic, actually, and it's great. You know, Planet Arc have got so many advocates that are very well known and the programs that they they head up are so influential for um, many Australians. Um, so it's, it's brilliant to have her on board from, from obviously the ink recycling side. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I, it's, yeah, fantastic from that side. And I think from Planet Arc's point of view and obviously a, a well-known non-for-profit organization um which really the main goal is to have positive environmental actions for everyone um, mm-hmm. for those who are obviously familiar with planet arc they were established and been around for some time now, since 1992 so obviously planet arc is an amazing organization but how does planet arc power fit in cast in my mind back to about six or seven years ago we were we formed an engineering company called Go Zero Energy, which was all about saving businesses um, or commercial industrial businesses on their energy so energy costs. And Planet Arc had actually recognised back then, about three years ago now it would have been, um, that domestic rooftop solar in Australia was a high penetration and in the top five in, on a global scale. But in terms of commercial and industrial solar, the uptake had been very slow and very much behind the rest of the world. And one of their important initiatives was to actually um, create low-carbon lifestyles and, and recognise that to actually help accelerate commercial industrial solar in Australia, something needs to be done. And that's how we met in terms of Gozer Energy, started conversations with Planet Arc and realised the fits and the goals and how we aligned was actually looking at it was going to be a very successful um, partnership. So from our engineering backgrounds, with vast numbers of engineers from the network side um, and obviously a lot of experience in the renewable industry, was very attractive. And as a partnership, we, we formed Planet Art Power with, with the goal to increase commercial industrial solar throughout Australia and help tick those goals. Oh, brilliant. So, and, and I believe you also have a, a large um, investment in research and development and, and you've won a lot of 
significant awards for your technology. So tell us about those big wins. Yeah, that, that's correct. It's it's quite unusual in, in the renewable industry these days to have uh, companies with a lot of engineers and power electronics staff which have that knowledge. And from our side, we're very heavy on R&D. Um, as you mentioned, we've, we have won some awards. We've recently um, a few awards in Europe, but this is based around the technology that we've named Alexis, mm-hmm. not Alexa. Well, effectively, what our, our technology is designed to enable smart grids, and I can elaborate a little bit more on that shortly, but we won a Startup Transition Award hosted by the World Energy Council and Germany, German Energy Agency in Berlin um, in April 2019 as a pioneer in smart grid solution. And then this year, we were commended by UK's Cleantech Experts at the Rushlight Awards in London. Um, which went exceptionally well. And then also we're actually hopefully looking at pitching later this year in Silicon Valley and in Monaco, subject to where our um, world and global issues currently lie, where we end up in that space. Wow, that's, yeah, that's some amazing wins there. And um, both both these awards um, were for Alexis, the technology that we developed. Now, a little bit of background behind technology. So our CEO, Bevan Holcomb, um, spent many years, almost decades, um, of Energex. And his foresight as a very clever man, as an engineer on the networks, noticed that um, more and more solar, he was predicting, was going to cause an issue with the network in terms of voltage. Mm-hmm. And he could see this, he had the foresight to see this, many, many years ago. And when he left Energex, it was his mission to develop a product which was going to enable what we call the two-way grid to enable solar to go back down the grid whilst also going the other way and, and purchasing from the, um, from the network. So yes. he went through this process and over the last seven, eight, maybe nine years now, he's developed what we call Alexis. And um, what we say is Alexis enables a smart grid it is actually an advanced power electronics device. It has a, a suite of artificial intelligence applications. So there's a lot to it. It's, it enables us to export um, where we're actually curtailed by the networks. So when we get zero export for solar and we can't export back to the grid, we do have the ability to help that voltage and export back down the grid. And we can in- integrate this with batteries, um, from a large scale point of view, we've demonstrated in a few sites in Queensland and about to start a large project in South Australia um, with a large box retailer, um, with a large microgrid project down there. Uh, so, Will, you mentioned a box retailer. So, just define what a box retailer is. I mean, it's a, sim- a simplistic term of a manufacturing company that sells things in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So effectively, talking about green profits, yeah. Lexis can actually enable us to export batteries and create further revenue streams for our clients, which is That's obviously right. key. So um, it ticks, generally ticks all the boxes. Um, it's exciting times as we, as we move forward with, with the product. And, and as you say, the, the electricity grids were um, designed to be one way. So 
now all of a sudden everyone's trying to export back to the grid creating this two-way system and there's the voltage issues etc so essentially what you're doing is uh, retrofitting to the grid um, a solution so yeah well done on those those awards that's that's amazing so yeah and that's a very good summary as well you actually uh, provide solutions for business and corporations, so the more of a commercial side. But, of course, a solar solution could be a blend of the solar panels, the batteries, the finance, you know, the apps, the you know, deals with electricity providers. What types of solutions do you focus on? Yeah, so in terms of solutions, it's very much driven by each site. As you noted, we, we are... Our core focus is commercial, industrial and large-scale sites. So it's very much led by the company itself, or it might be a government organisation or a school, for example. But where, where we have to start, and this is where it's very important in our industry, is to benchmark um, where, we're, where we're moving from and validate what that solution is going to be. So initially, every site's in its own merit. So what we would take is um, 12 months of their data, um, lots of 30-minute interval data lines and some latest power bills to look at their tariffs. And we examine that and run that through what we have is we've developed our own proprietary software called GoPredict. And that then actually shows us a really succinct um, load profile for that site. And also then we can funnel in financial modelling and work around net present values and look at the different options that may be suitable for that site and each time we run this model we do look at obviously solar we look at efficiency we look at batteries and where the batteries will stack up under different models so there's so many different areas and variables that can determine what that solution is but i guess most importantly um, the first step of a business is to understand what what their drivers are you know if they're looking at a blend of energy savings they're looking at um carbon offset emissions, reducing that side, or, or whether there's a supply chain requirement. So there's so many areas to look at, but it is so important to understand what that client's looking at. So what if the, the client doesn't really know exactly what they're, they're after? I guess that they may just have an overall goal of uh, reducing costs. Perhaps you could expand a bit on that. Yeah, so from, from the, um, the get-go, from when we receive the information and data, we're able to run an, an energy analysis, which provides graphs, it provides a benchmark, and we can explain in, and I'm very, very important, I think, in our industry to simplify what we do with yes. the validated information, because a lot of people, we live and breathe this industry, well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and day-to-day -day business, is it's not their core business so it's a matter of displaying and presenting this is where you're at now this is how much you're spending on power this is where you could save and then overlaying a, a recommended or what we look at as an optimized solution to reduce their reduce their costs so we we sort of if someone doesn't understand where to start we can guide and educate through that process and and I guess from a really important point of view as well is if a solution doesn't stack up or it doesn't make any economical sense, it's something that's just 
move on, look at another site or make recommendations that actually do have um, a payback, which is attractive to that particular customer. So obviously it's a business by business basis and you assess their needs individually. A big part of that would be looking at the finances, as as you were saying. Can you take us through how you look at the finances and um, how Solar works with the financial plans? Yeah, sure. So there there are, obviously there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And it, again, determines where it's determined by, um, I guess, the financial stability of the business that we're we're talking with but there are three or four different areas that we'd look at there's a straight capital investment so still a lot of businesses that would rather use their own capital work to a simple payback um, and that's how they work Um, but we are finding more and more businesses are looking at a strategy which is reducing their costs but where they don't want to place down any kind of upfront capital expenditure so in these type of models, you've got um, products like a, a, a lease or a commercial loan um, or what we call as a, a power purchase agreement. Now, what we try and do is gear every project that it might be over a five-year, six or seven-year term to be cash flow positive from day one. And what that means yeah. is effectively from day one, your energy savings are greater than what you're paying in your um, finance term. So if I said to you, okay, here's, here's a um, business case and you're going to make $500 a month and you've got nothing to put down, that, that sort of model is becoming obviously more attractive. So there's no capital expenditure. That would but be hugely attractive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's always a bus and everyone says... Oh, there's always a bus, yes. <laughs> it's always too good to be true. And it is very much based on that engineering analysis and understanding through our analysis what their load is and how much and what their tariff is in the structure of what they pay a kilowatt hour, what their demand charges is. There's, so, there's a few factors that go into it. So it's so important that that gets fed through this model so then you can actually start to guarantee what they're going to save. Because if you can't guarantee what they're going to save, the numbers become very rubbery. Um, so it's really important to have black and white analysis, which can be verified. You know, Even once that system's done, it can be verified quarterly. This is what you've generated. It's what we said you're going to generate, and you're actually on track to make those savings. And that, that's key because yeah. the, the solar industry is, is still fairly in its infancy, but it is certainly fairly black and white when it comes to how those savings are made and the products and solutions that are installed these days mostly are engineered well but it's key to make sure that the reputation of the industry is is kept at its highest based on the correct analysis that's done in, in the field so yeah the the analysis is a huge part of of the whole process so even before companies commit they or organizations commit they would um, have this analysis process um, where they would understand the cost benefit right up front that's correct completely and yeah the analysis is key and and that's where the benchmark is here's your energy analysis this is how your business is running this is where you can make savings without spending money and then here are solutions that can help you further save those energy costs and 
to have that benchmark is if you can't provide that benchmark, um, there's no certainty of what the end solution or um, solution actually will be to that business and savings. So um, that, that's where I find from a, I guess, from a relationship point of view, it's so important. It's a consultative approach, not just selling a solution that fits one size fits all, because that's not the case. That's every business is different. Um, and I think that's in, in a more residential space, it's much more of a commodity. Mm-hmm. where everyone has solar businesses are all different particularly larger scale businesses with multiple different types of loads um, implementations and changes in manufacturing processes so that it's key to to have that data to have the ability to explain it and again I say I go back to simplicity because the simplicity of this is key if, if I can't explain this simply to a client there's no way that that project would actually go ahead. It needs to be kept very straightforward and for them to understand what's coming behind in terms of, of what data's been used. Well, things are changing so rapidly, aren't they? And so uh, it's important to keep that uh, simplicity there. But I'm interested to know how the financials work with the energy companies and how, how they integrate. Yeah, so... Every business will have their own retailer and they have their own connection point, which will be to what we call an NMI connection point. So they're always going to get a power bill. So it might be someone like AGL or Origin, whoever it might be, ERM, providing them that power bill every month. Okay, so effectively, when a solution gets put in, um, whether they've used the capital investment, they've leased, it doesn't matter how that financial works. They're always going to get a power bill. Now, that power bill comes from the retailer. Alternatively, you're going to get, from the other side, you're going to get a loan or lease cost every month or every quarter. So you've always got to compare what the cost is on your power bill in terms of what you're paying, in terms of reduction of what you're paying on your bill versus that cost you're paying from your financial contract. And the difference between that is where I talk about cash flow positivity. Right. And, and you mentioned they're leasing. So what if businesses are leasing their premises and they're, they're not able to actually add solar? Uh, what are the options for them? Okay, from a, from a leasing point of view, so I was talking financial leasing there, but from a leasing as a tenancy, yeah. very much a case-by-case case where you, obviously there's always going to be a landlord involved. And depend, depending on the type of business that's in that premises and the, the term of their lease would determine whether it's you know, viable to actually install solar. Okay, so if you had a five and a five-year lease on a manufacturing type site, the average paybacks or simple payback we're seeing now in, in solar is somewhere around the um, four and a half to six-year payback. It mm-hmm. becomes viable within your lease term. But there are also other ways to look at this directly with landlords. So from a if you look at it with a landlord hat on, where they have empty spaces, and I do work with a few landlords on the Sunshine Coast and in Brisbane, who their main driver is to fill empty spaces. So for a landlord, one of their biggest costs is having an empty lease. So yes. someone's not there. So if they can install solar on that premises, it actually attracts a tenant 
to that space versus building next door, which might be the same square meterage, but its energy intensity is going to be higher because there's no solar, for example, or it's, it's less efficient. And that comes down to, your, again, your, your neighbor's rating. So it's, it's very important in our process is understanding who owns what. Landlords yes. can be incentivized in this process as well. And they're starting to understand that it's not all about expenditure when it comes to putting solar onto their premises. They see it as a long-term investment. Um, and it, it, again, it depends on the age of the building and what the, the future forecasting says. They might be knocking that building down in 10 years, for example. So there's a lot of factors we take into account, but it's the relationship between the tenant, the landlord and us is key. And, and it's being innovative in how we can provide a solution to them to, that works for everyone. So it minimizes the risk for landlords, maximizes savings for the tenant. And as you say, it's attractive for, um, for tenants uh, to, to move into a place that's, that's got the solar solution there. Um, it, it's going to be a win-win for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And, it, and it's, it's a great snow. And I've definitely seen the last, I've been working in the commercial industry in Australia for nine years now. And when I started nine years ago, if I'd walked into a business and started talking about CO2 emissions, offsets, <laughs> I'd, I'd have been walking straight out of the building <laughs> and I'd never seen them again. Funnily enough, some of those people and businesses from seven, eight years ago, I'm actually talking to a game now where projects are more economically viable might have been like an eight, nine-year payback back then, and there were no viable financial solutions you could actually lay on a project because banks didn't have the security around the project then, so they wouldn't throw money at it. Whereas now, most of these projects, worst-case scenario, a seven-year payback, will all be financed. So NAB, Westpac, CBA, they all finance these projects. There's so many areas that you can tackle it, which makes it viable. Yeah. As, as I said, and much of the, many of these clients now also have um, obviously strict guidelines around supplier chains. Actually, their CO2 emissions are enforced. They do have policies. It's obviously got to make financial sense mm -hmm. economically. You know, it's still part of the blend, but it is very much economics, business resilience as well through downturns. How, how do we save? save costs during a downturn and now is a classic example exactly. um so that it's resilience factors i think are going to become more and more topical um i'm already finding that in the last two three four weeks talking with some existing potential clients who, who are looking to continue saving um it's like how, how do you tackle a project in this sort of climate and that the classic example here this question of um, cash flow positivity if, if I can provide a, a project which doesn't cost anything but no risk it's going to save you energy from day one it's actually saving on their bottom line without spending any money in a downturn so it's there, there are ways in a I guess this climate to gear a project to make it you know as bad as we are at the moment in terms of you know the insecurity it does actually provide a solution um, where businesses are going, well, actually, this, is, this does work for us now. 
And, and as you say, it's all about viability and um, people are going to be looking at the, the economics, the business resilience, but they're also looking at um, the emissions. One thing that that is constantly changing is the technology. So how can businesses plan ahead with the technology? Can they, for example, um, install solar solutions in stages? Yeah, so I guess this is a classic example. We lean a little bit back on um, Alexis, the technology we developed, is where technology and, and the grids um, around the world or globally are changing in terms of how much solar can actually go on the network. You've probably heard there's voltage issues. We're coming to the point where the grid's getting saturated. There's too much solar. And what that does, that power goes back down the grid. It causes voltage instability. So effectively what our, our technology, Alexis, does is enables the two-way grid, enables us on a commercial industrial side, which is one of our key areas that we're from a market point of view, is enabling us to export that down the grid within the parameters that network allow. So mm-hmm. effectively where we're going, and this is from my opinion in terms of um, the future of solar, as we get more and more solar on the grid from now, there's going to be more issues. So a lot of these systems will become zero export, which means that, say you've got 300 panels or 1,000 panels on your business, and at weekends, your business doesn't use any power, what happens is that system ramps down and it won't export all that excess energy back to the grid. So you're actually effectively wasting power. Yeah. That makes sense. So what we can do is unlock that power that's been ramped down unlock it, send it back to the grid, and actually, in terms of green profits, that enables to create a revenue stream for a feed-in tariff from a retailer. So you get paid for that excess energy, which you would be at the moment. In, in, in most people, a lot of people houses, you get a feed-in tariff. But commercially and industrially, often when you get a big system in, you won't be able to export. So talking about a, a stage one, stage two type solution, that's where we're headed, I think, in terms of our industry. Stage one might be a, a good-sized commercial industrial system that allows them to export, build a relationship with that particular business. As their business grows, um, as their load changes, look at a stage two to increase that system and allow for export, maybe integrate batteries as viable. Um, that's, again, based around the engineering um, and design side to make sure battery is viable. Because mm-hmm. batteries have got so many different uses. Um, it's what we, we look at from our side of Planet Arc is how that battery can be used. It might not be traditional store the power to use later. It might be used on the grid. It might be used to make revenue. Um, so there's so many wow. different, different elements um, to work through. So let's talk about the monitoring equipment and the apps um, that are available these days and how you can check on your solar you're generating and sending back to the grid and how that connects with your electricity provider. We do our own monitoring internally to ensure that system is running at its highest efficiency. And what that does, if, if the system drops below a certain percentage 
based around the weather for that day, then we get an alert, which lets us know to investigate. And it might not just be the weather, there might be an issue, a string's gone down, or an inverter's not rebooted. So we have a team in-house which is constantly monitoring the systems we have in the field. And that's obviously all around Australia. We're obviously based our head office in Brisbane. But what that does is it gives our clients the um, the faith that we're, we're actually working behind the scenes. So that, that's our monitoring from our side. And then from a front face and from the client's point of view, they'll have a login to what we use is um, Solar Analytics, which is a very good off-the-shelf um, software system, which enables clients to log in whenever they like, have a look and see how the systems go, give some really good facts and figures about what they're offsetting, how many, um, you know, how many cars you're taking off the road and so on and so forth from their system. So that can be then put through a screen in reception um, or meeting and greeting room to demonstrate what they're up to. And there's, there's a number of different um, areas out there, but I think the key point of difference that, that we really try to do is it's not here's your system, here's your monitoring, look after it yourself. It's making sure that support is always there because it's not you know, energy isn't the core of most businesses. You know, day to day running their business, they don't want to worry about whether their system's working or not. That's our problem. That's what we do. So we then provide a quarterly report which then validates what we've told them in their engineering study they generate for their site. And the quarterly report is your actual figures versus your estimated. So that's another layer of security for the client. And if it's not generated in the meantime, or it's not performing, we already know that from the alerts received in the office. So it's really important to have that ongoing service. And from my point of view and the relationships I have with clients, that's how we grow our business, mostly through referrals, um, through businesses that have already done the project and go, Hey, well, we're getting the ongoing support, um, a system's performing. And if it's not performing, we'll be out there to fix it. So it's monitoring's got so many different sides to it. Yeah. Um, but the important thing is, is how you action with that monitoring. If your system's working great, but what happens when your system isn't working? There's a lot of, lot of systems out there that will be underperforming and there's most likely none there to really understand or to fix it because they don't know it's not working. Right, yeah. Well, it's so critical, isn't it, to be able to see what's going on in the system. If you don't have that visibility of the monitoring, um, you don't know if it's working or not. And and it's good to know that you've got that backup system and, and your customer service there. So, Will, I'm sure you're aware of this, but the ATO have offered... Um, the Australian tax office has offered some incentives to write off assets. And of course, a solar installation is, is considered an asset. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. So the federal government recently announced the economic stimulus package, the instant asset write-off threshold has increased from 30,000 to 150,000. Right. And the, the legibility of this is generally um, if your annual turnover is less than 500 million a year can access this tax deduction incentive. So it's from a solar perspective, yeah, it's um, it's very enticing and it can add to that business case. 
Um, this can be structured under a obviously a capital investment using their own capex, which is probably less likely at the moment, or um, a commercial loan or a chateau mortgage um, mm -hmm. has the ability to to work with this 100% um, write-off. So, yeah, there's that that incentive right now in in a bit of a downturn certainly has its advantages if if companies can make use of against that with their tax. Well, that's definitely an incentive to get solar in now. Um, and I'm sure there's a, a whole lot of other grants and opportunities available or coming up that would incentivize people to and businesses to have solar installed and, and have some sort of install in a solar solution. Exactly, yeah. There's, um, there's always an incentive there. And I think irrespective now, this is my take on the industry, irrespective of subsidies and handouts solar now is it does stand on its own two feet as an industry and the economics do stack up irrespective of those subsidies in most cases so whereas 10 years ago it wouldn't have stacked up so i think as as time moves forwards uh, as the industry matures then certainly yeah, the, the subsidies are great they're a bonus to have them but we don't rely on them to make a business case. Yeah, that's that's just the added bonus, as you say. Um, but definitely yeah. worth investigating any sort of instant write-off or grants um, that that are available. It's uh, there's so much help available at the moment, so it's definitely worth investigating for sure. Definitely. So as well, if your projects more than 150,000, which many of the larger scale projects we work on fall in that space, there is still the stimulus of 50% instant depreciation rise off for assets over 150,000 under the, the back in business investment. So, um, anything installed or acquired from the 12th of March this year through till the 30th of June 2021, and again, businesses with a turnover less than 500 million are able to deduct 50% of the cost of an eligible asset on installation. So, it's yeah, it doesn't matter how big that project is. There's um, certainly a stimulus sitting behind from federal government at the moment to obviously invest in, in a project um, in our space at the moment. That's definitely a great time to invest in solar. It sure is. Is, is there any um, organisations, sustainability type um, groups um, for businesses to check out? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few out there. And I, I would always encourage... Um, you know, from an energy point of view, I'd, I'd always say have a look at Planet Art Power and some of the news articles we're sharing and resources, but also from the wider sustainability um, circle economy um, side of where the global world is going right now. Um, Planet Arc as an organisation have got a, a, a couple of really good newsletters. You can sign up to those newsletters um, and there's, there's just a hive of information I always find, um, so Paul Clemenko, who's the CEO of Planet Arc, um, he has just an ability to know something about everything and he has so many <laughs> great facts and figures and spend an hour with, with him and you come away with these little snippets and a lot of those snippets and information are fed through their social media channels, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook or through their newsletters. So it's so interesting to understand and because they're all about positive impact, it's very much you know, it's positive news. Yeah. Dwelling on what's going on in, in a in a downturn or bad 
space or a global downturn where we are now in terms of COVID-19. It's great to see some of these stories um, and keep the world positive. Well, yes, we all need a bit of positivity, don't we, at the moment? Yeah. It's uh, such an unusual situation that we're in. Um, and there's, there's just so many uh, businesses who are suffering at the moment. Um, so if if they can save some money and do well with, with solar, uh, and then it's got to be positive. Totally agree. There's, there's so much technology and it's constantly evolving. Uh, the clean tech world will be different again in another five, ten years as we evolve. And there's so much integration and exciting um, solutions that will be coming online in terms of how we manage our energy in the future and, and what impacts that will have on communities on, um, on, you know, in terms of microgrids. This, this space is certainly going to keep transitioning. At the moment, it's, there's still a lot of policy that lies around it in terms of governments in different states, in different countries. Um, but there's some really exciting community projects that will be um, coming online in, in the near future, I believe. That's brilliant. Well, what's, um, what's your personal mission? What do you hope to achieve through your work with Planet Art Power? It's a great question. I, I've always strived to create a positive impact in whatever I do. So whether that positive impact's in work, whether that's in play, yeah. in the ocean, whatever that might be, if I can create a, a, a even no matter how small that impact is, as long as it's positive, then I feel yeah. like I'm doing my, my piece for the world and I can go to bed at night and wake up in the morning and go, yep, I've done this and, and feel satisfied. It's For me, that, that gives me energy and to know that, one, I'm helping others, but also, you know, striving for helping, the I guess, the generations to come as well. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. It's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show. The solar technology is changing so fast. Thanks for enlightening us on how businesses and organisations can take advantage of the, the different solar solutions that are out there. <laughs> Megan, it's an absolute pleasure to share my knowledge. I'm always here to help, to say small, small, um, small changes, small impacts, make it positive. Awesome. Thanks, Will. You're welcome. No, thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. How knowledgeable is Will? I really like his consultative approach and as he says, every business is different and so the relationship he builds with his clients is vital in understanding the needs of the business. What are my three key takeaways? Well firstly it's important to have adequate analysis to come up with the most optimised solar solution. There are so many variables in a solar solution, not only the technology, the products and the monitoring, but who owns the assets, how old the buildings are, how energy is used throughout the day and night, how long the expected return on investment needs to be, and also if the solar solution is a capital investment or a finance option or both. Secondly, there are solutions for businesses that lease their premises. It's about the business working together with the landlord and coming up with a solution that's potentially a win-win for everyone. The landlord is gaining an asset and if and when the business ends their lease, the premises are more attractive for the next tenancy. But meanwhile, the business has a cost-effective way to reduce their electricity bill. And lastly, there are government incentives and grants available for installing and using solar from Australian, states, some local governments and non-government organisations as well from time to time. 
As solar installations are an asset, they can be included in the instant asset write-off incentives currently available with the Australian Government. I'd suggest you keep track of the incentives available by subscribing to receive the various notifications via email. Now there's a few things we'll mention and I'll add the links and information in the show notes. But no matter what type of business you are, whether it's big or small, I'd encourage you to find a solar solution that's right for you and your business. I'm extremely passionate about investing in renewables. It's something that you can do to significantly reduce your impact on the environment and at the same time you can make huge financial savings. There's never been a better time to invest in solar. Thanks for listening and remember there's money in sustainability. Take care, be good to our planet and bye for now.